Closet Conversations. We are talking about sex, baby. Welcome to the Closet Conversations. Uh, tonight, uh, A-Team, is, it's all about porn and sex worker industry. Okay. Um, I think sex work is one of the oldest industries, according to a lot of people. Um, and we're going to get into it a bit deeper, a better understanding of this industry, how it works, uh, and also the porn industry as well. We're going to be speaking to Justine Madewell, who is an intimacy coach and an adult store retail assistant. And of course, I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Perhaps you are within the field uh, or you want to get into the porn or sex work industry. You can ask your questions or if you're already in the field, give tips and advice. 614 That is our WhatsApp number. And uh, for SMS on 41391 or call in on 86 2032 let's welcome Justine who's waiting to engage with us. Justine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So this evening we speak porn and sex workers. What is the definition of porn? <laughs> I mean, yeah, what is the definition of porn? Because for someone who's quite sensitive, uh, seeing uh, legs all the way to, you know, the hip bone could constitute as porn. <laughs> That's actually a very good question because while there might be a, a dictionary definition of porn, there are many things that say that porn is different to everybody because um, if you look at cultures for example what one culture might view as uh, pornographic or taboo or sexual another culture might deem innocent or intimate instead of sexual or have no sexual relevance to it at all um, it really has to do with how you socialize and your culture and how you're brought up and that sort of thing your beliefs around sex and the body um but really in a nutshell if you're gonna if we're gonna be plain and simple about it you know you would say that sex is um often an art performance if you if you would say that what of porn people think yeah okay it's an art performance absolutely it is why is it around? I mean, why should is it? Why should we be watching uh, other people, as you put it, perform art with their bodies? Uh, because this is something that should be innate in every human being. You should know how to just do it, <laughs> because it's like eating, isn't it? Um, oh, I think there's a primal aspect to us that might know a thing or two on what to do, but again. There's different types of sex. Um, so, you know, it's not always a thing that you just know how to do. But one of my favorite things to do is think about and learn about and hear other people's theories about where porn comes from. Because if you look at um, sex toys, for example, those date back to caveman times. There's carved out dildos as it were if you want to call them that of stone and wood and stuff like that so Ouch, and i mean also being used well i mean obviously no one was around to say for sure but um they're very similar to the type of toys that we would use today oh. um and not only that there were paintings or there are paintings 
um, of sexual things happening between two or more people on cave walls or stone walls. Um, there were studies done in, uh, in Greece that showed that there was a room, and this was over thousands, this was thousands of years ago. There was a room um, that was loosely translated to a sex room where women and men, um, and sometimes younger children as well, were sold to other people, um, well, rather borrowed to other people for a fee for sexual favors. And like I said, this was thousands of years ago. So this has been around for a very long time. But what is very interesting about where it could come from, there are different theories about it, of who invented it or where it came from or where it started. But, you, you know, you think to yourself, why would I want to watch two people having sex? I know it arouses me, but why would I want to watch it? You know, I don't want to watch someone else eating dinner if I'm hungry. And the interesting thing with that is... Uh, it's definitely a primal thing where if you watch porn, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes you'll hear women and men, but mostly women make quite a loud sound. And um, they relate that back to primal things where it might sound silly because you think back, the, back then when you're trying to survive in the wild and everything, if you're having sex and making a lot of noise, it's not very wise to do that with predators around but what it is is that another human might hear you in the tree or the bush next door and think oh i'd like to go in in that activity and that has to do with obviously procreation and as um, many males mating with as many females as possible to obviously populate more and more so from that obviously you'd get aroused hearing somebody else having sex and therefore watching somebody else have sex because it's a primal thing in you to want to do the same thing okay you know i'm still stuck on the on the stone and wood carved uh, uh <laughs> i just i just can't get over it i hope they were not using it because it just sounds like it would be extremely painful okay so there's the primal Absolutely. thing within all of us that you say um why is it then that masturbation most of the time is associated with porn? That's, I mean, obviously, if you're watching porn, most of the time we relate that to being alone. That is not always the case. Um, and you're going to be aroused. And so you would masturbate to it. And um, obviously it feels good. So you're going to do it. And you need that release. Obviously, orgasms, they release a lot of good hormones um and obviously you're going to keep doing that and uh, but then it does porn always have to play a role when a person is masturbating no absolutely not i mean some people will have fantasies they just use their imagination um some people are just simply aroused by the touch of themselves or the toy or whatever it is that they're using um some people just need to hear their partner's voice or see a very, very specific image. You know, that's where kinks and fetishes come into play. It's not always to do with porn, but it definitely helps, I would say. <laughs> hey, Tim is joining in the conversation. Our WhatsApp number is 614 We are talking porn and sex working industry. Okay, 
So you you say that, um, I mean, many years ago, many, many years ago, there was even a room that was said to be a sex room and even children sometimes mm. were being exchanged. I, I'm wondering if this culture of grooming of young children sexually might have emanated from there and young people engaging in porn because I hear there's a lot of, you know, videos of young people uh, that are going around in uh, group sex and uh, paid pornography. Yeah, unfortunately, there is a bad side to pornography. That's um, obviously the stigma is that all porn is bad and anyone who's in a sex worker industry is um, forced into it, whatever, which is absolutely not the case. But there is a side to it where unfortunately bad things do happen and you know i wouldn't say anything comes from a certain area because i think humans are humans and we've been this way for a very long time and if it happened back then it's going to happen now for example because of the way our brains work not everybody obviously um but number one when it comes to children they're easy to overpower um you know, there's not much of they can do to stop anyone and that kind of thing. And that's why that kind of stuff happens, which is terrible. But again, it definitely also gives the rest of the industries a very bad name um, when it's not the industry's fault. It's just a few people who definitely need some help. Mm. Um, and how do we protect our young people from, you know, extreme exposure to pornography and uh uh, you know, also being made victims of these, uh, you know, porn stars and pedophiles? So the first part of that is it's controversial. A lot of people have uh, different opinions on people, younger people watching porn. And when I say younger people, I mean teenagers who are young, who are old enough to understand it. That in itself is a different thing and it's very controversial. And um, you can see it both ways, it being bad and it being good. I don't think it's either. Um, I think watching porn can be actually very educational in a way. As long as if you know your teen is watching porn, for example, as awkward as the conversation may be, you do need to have it um, in terms of telling them this is not real life. This kind of stuff doesn't just happen like this. Um, you know, they can learn a few things on what to do and how dynamics might work. But explaining the behind the scenes and that kind of thing to them might also be very helpful. And like I said, it can be more educational if you take that opportunity. If not, they might have some unrealistic ideas of how the world works and how sex works. And that can be harmful. Mm, um, in terms of protecting... Yeah. Yes. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, in terms of protecting our youth, um, you know, from those people who want to do bad things with children and young teens and all of that. Again, education, speaking to them about it and, um, you know, speaking to them about boundaries and what feels comfortable and what isn't and what kind of words and communication is trustworthy and what isn't. And again, educating them about the porn industry, because if you don't, they're going to trust and just think any which way about anyone who offers them something. Look, Justine, when it comes to um, porn, 
I mean, I don't know what young people can learn from it. Uh, I, it doesn't always come across as loving and caring. It it comes across as hard and, you know, uncaring and uh, promiscuous and just do it, just rampant and make a noise. It doesn't seem like a connection. I don't mm. know. That That's just my opinion. What will young people learn? So that's, I mean, that's an interesting view. And I mean, I think that's the view that a lot of people have. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people have that opinion of it not being uh, healthy, per se, for younger people to view it. Um, but again, that's where the education comes in. That's when you, you tell them um, that this isn't real life. Porn stars, they're doing a performance because some people like to watch those harder, more hardcore things and stuff like that. That's what they like to watch. But you do get storylines and stuff that are more intimate because there they are a lot of people who only like that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's teaching them about that and it's teaching them, yes, there is this type of sex in real life, but this doesn't just happen that way. And when you're, you know, it's, it's just the normal sort of sex conversation that you should have with your kids when you're getting to know somebody uh, sexually and intimately, you know, it's about the setting the boundaries and it's about um, asking questions and getting to know them and going at your own pace and learning that this sex from porn, you can learn, I want to say skills, I don't mean it in that way. <laughs> I mean, you know, oftentimes when you're younger, you, you're not actually, you know the gist of sex, you know, the penis goes into the vagina, whatever the case is. But that's not really it. You're not learning about sex. Whereas porn can give you a little bit more insight into that, again, if you're being taught in the right way. And it can teach you what kind of stuff is something that's a point to get to, not something just to start off with. And again, that also comes from education. If we had these conversations more openly, as weird and taboo as it may seem to speak about these things openly. If we spoke about the porn industry and sex work industry more openly and you'd understand that porn isn't 100% real and that this isn't something that just happens with people, then people would understand the normalities of sex and wouldn't be ashamed about it. Okay, what actually happens behind the scenes when it comes to porn and sex work? And can we associate porn and sex work into one category, especially the online uh, porn, these uh, click, uh, what, fans only click to like? I don't know, there's, there's <laughs> such a technology to it. But can we categorize them into one category? Um, well, porn stars and porn workers are sex workers, but not all sex workers are porn stars. Um, so there's a link there. But it's not necessarily the same thing. Um, I think, because I mean, you do get different types of sex work as well. They might all entail similar things, but there's different um, techniques, there's different environments, um, different rules, different boundaries, and that type of thing. But in terms of behind the scenes, what people need to know, and I've, there's a very good starting source it's not the be all and end all but a good starting source is to go onto youtube and search ask a porn star they've got very useful things and it's very fun and light-hearted as well um but things that people need to understand is number one like i've been saying it's a performance 
what they don't understand is that before these scenes, if you're talking about porn, is that the actors will speak to each other, get to know each other. Um, what are your boundaries? These are my boundaries. If you're going to do this, I need you to do that. If you're going to do this, I need you to clean yourself this, this, and this way. And that's another thing is that hygiene is a huge thing in the porn industry. People think if you're a sex worker, you're dirty. And um, that's definitely not the case. I think sex workers are more clean sexually than the rest of us. Um, you know, showers before and after scenes. And um, there's certain dietary restrict restrictions if you're going to do anal scenes. Um, yeah, so they're very, very hygienic. The scenes are sanitized and clean and changed and everything all the time. Um, the actors oftentimes have chemistry. And if they don't, they find a way to speak to each other and communicate so that when the scene goes on, they know if something's wrong or if they like what they're doing, whatever the case is, what their turn on, their turn offs are. Um, you know, don't do this to me because that's a big no. I will stop the scene right here. And these are the things people don't know. People think it's just a smooth sailing thing that it just goes from start to finish, no cuts no breaks. And that's not the case. And the other thing that people need to know behind, um, behind the scenes of uh, porn industry specifically as well is that mistakes happen all the time. You know, I think a lot of times people get very self-conscious after watching porn because they think, well, gosh, why don't I look like that? Or why does it sex happen like that for me? But the truth is, in between scenes, Somebody got sick, somebody was allergic to the condom, someone didn't like the fabric softener and it, it made them swell up. This person fell off the bed. This person couldn't stay erect. This person used sanitizer instead of lube because the bottles looked the same. This person made a funny noise with their body. And that's the thing is that they're still 100% human and things happen, but they're not going to show you that because nobody wants to see that. They want to see the performance side of it. Um, and I think those are very important things to know. And like I said, there's much, much, much more to see. Um, if you go on to ask a porn star, there's many other sites you could see to get the actual real behind the scenes information. But I think it's very important to know. How do people get work in the porn uh, star industry? Like, do you have to audition? And how would you audition? So I, I mean, I'm not a sex worker myself, but um, from what I do know from the sources that I have obviously seen and researched and all that, if it comes to porn or something that is a performance, then yeah, auditions and, um, you know, getting to know the person and the, and the actor getting to know the agency as well, because you need to know that you're going to like where you're working. Um, because uh, yes, not all porn actors and actresses are great actors and actresses as we can see but you still do need to uh, know how to improv because a lot of the scenes are there's an outline of the scene and what needs to happen but sometimes a lot of the uh, lines are improvised and if you can't act and can't think on your feet you're not going to do very well and if something goes wrong in a scene and you don't know how to improvise or turn that into something that's supposed to happen in the scene you're not going to do very well. So there are definitely auditions and things to think about. In terms of other sex work industries, for example, if you're going to be a masseuse or a cam girl, 
whatever the case is. You might be running your own business or you might be working for an agency, in which case every interview would be specific to their agency or what you want to run your business on. Okay, I've got a message that just came in uh, from an A-team who didn't give us their name saying, how are you doing? This is Patricia. As a Christian, pornography is ungodly. Colossians 3 verse 5, you must put to death then the earthly desires at work in you, such as sexual immorality, indecency, lust, evil passions, and greed. For greed is a form of idolatry. Um, yeah, and this ATM is obviously giving us uh, their point of view from a Christian perspective. What For people who have this sort of thinking, as a person who works in the adult, uh, you know, world, adult uh, store, and you're an intimacy coach, what's your opinion on, on such strong views around uh, pornography and sex? Look, I obviously respect anybody else's opinion and view is no way that I can say I'm right, they're wrong, or they're right, and I'm wrong, whatever the case is, because everyone is 100% entitled to their feelings and opinions, and nobody is wrong in that situation. I think the only thing that I would have to say on that is, um, it may it may be true, it may be true according to the Bible and, and according to you, but don't let that inhibit you in any way follow your faith and follow your rules but don't let it get in the way of knowing who you are and don't let that um skew your view of people who don't share the same views as you let's go to a voice note good evening this is patricia and your guest this is sam gosinger once again yeah yes you can look at pawns and uh, because you have you you have to learn at different tactics there techniques there and during the sex because when you're doing a same thing uh, one style and over and over again again and you can bored and then so you need to communicate with your partner verbally and non-verbally and then so that you'll be laying a good foundation before you get into the actual sex, you know. And, uh, but with regard to the young children to lick a pawn, I don't think it's good for them. And, um, but uh, a growing couples or growing men and women, I think it's good for us. And then because when we look at our most relationships, yeah, they get collapsed because of, non-communicating and because one partner is not satisfactory by one partner so that's a problem that we are facing that's end up our relationship to be collapsed so we need to communicate we need to look at the pawns yeah in order to learn some different tactics thank you so much all right uh we're agreeing with a lot of your points there a team um but the one question i've got for learning these new styles and i'll pose it to you justine and to all our a teamers some of these styles are not age appropriate i i don't know i don't watch porn um would you find 60 year olds with arthritis um heart conditions doing some of the styles that are on porn like, you know, sometimes it's not about styles. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. No, no, you're not naive. I think 
look, I do hope that if you are 60 with arthritis, that you are smart enough not to do something that, you know, hurts you. But I do think it's not, I agree with you. It's not only about style and tactics and stuff like that, because, you know, what seems cool on porn, your partner might hate. But that's also, again, where he said about the communication, which is the biggest thing. But it is fun to look at new things and be like, wow, this, I could try this. That sounds fun. And the other fun part of it is to look at it and say, I will never try that, but it's fun to look at, you know. Um, and it's also fun to see how other people do things and to get out of your own world, even if you never try them. It's good to see that other people are doing things. Sometimes it makes other people feel not so alone when they're doing things and they think, wow, this is a bit weird. And then they see other people doing it and they think, oh, okay, well, I'm not alone and I don't feel shameful of it. Okay, um, but yeah, on most of his points, I agree. Anonymous here says, watching, listening to, and even reading porn can indeed be very arousing and educational at times for individuals and couples. It also creates the right mood for masturbating. My biggest disappointment is that in most porn, the women do not naturally lubricate, uh, i.e. get wet before or during the sex, implying they are not enjoying it. All right. Is it true? I mean, you were taking us behind the scenes. Is it true that a woman are not naturally lubricated? So um, it's difficult to say because, number one, if you're an, a, a porn actress and you're on set for five hours, unfortunately, you are not going to produce natural lubrication for those full five hours um, because your body gets tired. And, you know, okay, it's, you shouldn't be, in terms of um, your body, you shouldn't be having sex when your body is tired and you've stopped um, naturally lubricating after you already have because, again, you could get small tears or, you know, some sort of injury if you're not careful. But unfortunately, it is work to them. You know, I can't stop work when I get tired and go and just go home. I wish I could. But to these actresses, it is work. And unfortunately, that is why they use a lot of lube. And sometimes um, if you if you speak to porn actresses, um, they'll say to you, sometimes they're not in the mood. Sometimes they've had a really bad day. And the last thing they want to do is take their clothes off in front of a bunch of people. But they do have to go to work just like everybody else. And they did sign a contract and they did agree to this. Um, so, you know, when you're stressed and stuff like that, sometimes it's hard to produce lubrication. Sometimes it's hard to get yourself into that mood. And so, um, using lube and stuff like that will help until their body relaxes naturally and all of those things come back. And also remember some people in general have problems with producing lubrication naturally, um, which is normal as well. A lot of, a lot of people have that problem. So it could be something like that as well. It could be a number of factors. And again, remember, like I said, you don't see the in-between scenes. So she could have been um, very wet, but then something happened and she had to clean herself and then she had to apply lube because she's obviously wiped that's away or whatever the case is or had lunch and now it's gone away. Um, so it could be a number of things. Mm. Okay. And then there's the issue of addiction. Um, addiction to watching porn. Uh, how do people deal with that? So first things first, I think what a lot of people 
um, don't realize is that um, getting addicted to alcohol and drugs and that sort of thing is a completely different thing to a porn addiction. Um, it's, it's similar in, in the sense that an addiction, obviously, it's detrimental to your everyday life and um, everyday tasks, in a sense. And where that comes from is that, obviously, uh, masturbation and orgasm and all of those things releases dopamine and endorphins and all of those things. Um, and that's obviously a mood booster. And once you get your release, it's there, and then it goes away. And then the more you do it, you sort of get used to that dopamine release and serotonin and all of those things. And eventually you'll need to watch more porn to get that release again. And then you need to watch a little bit more. And that's, again, the, in that sense, it's very similar to taking drugs where you get used to something and you need to take more. But the, the porn itself is not the problem, if I can put it that way, because a lot of people watch porn and aren't addicted to it and can go about their daily lives. Um, so that's also important to know. But in terms of dealing with it, oftentimes, if people are addicted to porn, it's linked to something such as hypersexuality. Um, and that's what you'll have to deal with in terms of dealing with the root cause and not treating symptoms, if I can put it that way. So it's... You, you know, you can help by shutting off the porn and reducing your hours or whatever the case is, but that's not going to take away the problem. You need to find where the problem is, which usually comes from hypersexuality, and hypersexu hypersexuality itself comes from various different things, whether it's sexual trauma. Um, a certain mental illnesses can couple up well with hypersexuality. Um, there's a number of things, and dealing with that is... It's different for every person, but um, it's definitely something, if it's interfering with your daily life, something you need professional help with. And if you have a partner, communicating about it is the biggest thing because there's a lot of misconceptions around partners who have partners who are addicted to porn. So communication is a big thing. Professional help is a big thing. Um, and finding things outside of sex even though sex can be healthy for you if it's detrimental to your health like this finding things outside of sex that give you that same release in a more healthy way okay and do sex uh, stars and uh, sex performers and sex workers actually enjoy sex outside of their work because look i i i talk on radio right i don't actually want to be talking 24 7 when I get home, it's nice mm. to be quiet. <laughs> so do they get home and say, no, I don't want to have sex. I've been having sex on and off the screen. I'm tired. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, a lot of them um, do say, listen, I am tired. I don't want to do it. But in terms of enjoying it, you'll hear a lot of them say, when they're on set, it's exactly what it is. It's a job. When they're with their partner, they say it's a completely different feeling. It's that intimacy that's involved. It's not a job anymore. Now they want to do it. And it's different feelings um, physically and emotionally because it's somebody they care about. And when their partner touches them, it's an intimate thing. It's out of love and they crave that touch. Whereas at work, yeah, okay, touch me because I'm going to get paid for it. 
um, you know, not saying that they, they do have chemistry with their partners that they act with, but not in the same way that they do with their partners at home. And so they do enjoy sex. And a lot of them wouldn't be in the industry if they didn't enjoy sex in general. But that's not to say that they don't get tired and, um, you know, sometimes they do need a break. <laughs> All right. Uh, is it a lucrative industry to get into for those who are looking for work? Uh, it depends. Um, South Africa, you know, this country, cam girls and stuff like that, um, I think that's number one, a safer way to go about it if you're just looking to get into it. What's a cam um, Or even starting... Oh, a cam girl, so it's somebody who um, performs sexual activities on themselves, sometimes with other people or with toys, um, in front of a camera. Um, and oftentimes it's people watching live and they will uh, give, donate money, I want to say donate, pay money, or they'll interact with clients over camera and the client will ask them to do certain things and um, they'll obviously pay a certain amount for it. Uh, and they could sometimes they can chat during that session while the mm -hmm. person's doing whatever they're doing on the camera. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. And you, you were explaining to us about the various um, income potentials. Yes. Um, also, you know, you can start small somewhere like on OnlyFans, for example, just posting, um, you know, boudoir shoots or nude pictures. Again, being safe about it. That's the number one thing. Um, but start somewhere safe like that, somewhere small. See if you like it first. You don't want to jump in head first to something that you're not sure you like or are ready for because it can be, uh, you know, that kind of work can take a toll on you. So you would want to start small, um, cam girling, and also realizing that in the beginning, just like any job, you might not get paid too much for it. But the people who do stick it out and the people who do make it make a lot of money. <laughs> mm. um, but just be careful, especially in this country, I would say, um, you look everywhere, but this country isn't as big for this for the sex work industry as other countries are known for. Um, so you don't you're not sure who to trust yet because there aren't any big agencies out there that you just know are the best. So start small, start safe, speak to people who are sex workers or who are friends of sex workers. Um, get the tips and the tricks and the inside info. Learn as much as you can. Learn about your body. And yeah, start small and then build up from there. Camgirl, OnlyFans. There are strip clubs that are safe to work at as well um, with rules for the strippers and all of that so that they don't get hurt. Um, and then you could work your way possibly up into something a little bit better when you know that you are ready for it. Okay. Uh, Justine, uh, for those who want to come and visit your adult store or uh, need your assistance as an intimacy coach, how do they get in touch with you? So my store is in Walterfrieden Park. It is Loveland Bridge Centre. Um, I have one of the biggest stores. <laughs> then... For my coaching, it's my coaching business is called Intimacy Artistry. And you can either find me on my website, which is um, www.intimacyart.co.za. 
or you can email me on info at intimacyart.co.za. Um, I also have my personal number, but I think if you email me, I can also just chat to you from there on the personal number. Then. Absolutely amazing. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Interesting conversation indeed. Thank you. That was Justine Madewell, an intimacy coach and an adult store retail assistant. Hey, Timus, it's time for us to wrap up our week. That's how our story closes for this week. We'll be back again on Monday for another edition of the Late Night Conversations. And trust me, closets are not going to be the same again. <laughs> Things are really heating up on the side of the equator. Uh, you can continue interacting with us on social media platforms at SAFM Radio at Patricia N. Nduli. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.